Hallelujah. Well, this is Palm Sunday. I want you to just wave a palm at me here. Hey, Palm Sunday. We don't have to take them off. Praise the Lord, but we got them on. And uh, this is the time whenever, uh, you know, historically speaking, Jesus, the week before his crucifixion, um, you know the story in the Bible that um, they began to uh, get palm branches. Some even would take their own garments and just take their coats and just throw it on the road just as a sign of honor. As Jesus was riding this, this donkey that never been ridden on before, and he's riding over the crest of the hill, kind of through Bethany, kind of coming down there, and looking over Jerusalem at the crest, going down in Jerusalem as the, the crowds are just cheering on, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. You know, and the majority of the crowd thought that at that moment is when Jesus was going to make his kingdom known right there on the earth and just overthrow Roman and everything else was going on. There's a different perspective. Paul had brought it up in, in prayer this morning. It was really good the way that he said that, uh, you know, about bringing the peace because Jesus was bringing peace, but not like the people thought he was going to bring peace. The people wanted him to bring peace with Rome. God, Jesus, was bringing peace with the Father. That's what was necessary so we could come back to him to be sons and daughters. So there's a different in perspective there. And sometimes when we're walking through things, we have to, that's why we have to ask, you know, obviously ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, you're my helper. <laughs> you're my helper. Help me to see like God sees. And show me like Jesus, like I've never seen him before as I read your word and as I walk through my days. Today, I want to just take a little bit of time. We've been, uh, haven't been in a series, but we've been in a, a really uh, concentrating on and really just focusing, you want to say, focusing in on evangelism uh, this month. It was so great having evangelist Chris Michelson and his wife Amanda with us. And, and just uh, all the people that came out. We had lots of people come out in the services, even from different churches, different areas. We had one lady come from, I think she was two or two and a half hours away. It was a Canby, does that sound right? Canby? Canby, and she came here, and, and she ended up uh, getting healed. She had a, a problem with a sciatic a thing in her back, and the Lord healed her in the morning um, and then touched her again uh, that night, and somebody else got healed that Sunday night. Several different healings are going on somebody's neck. You know, if, if that was you too, you know, and things that were going on from those services, uh, write in, you know, uh, email us, let us know. Chris would like to know too. So you can email us at like, you know, connect at spirit-life.org and let us know what God did because it's something to be celebrated. Amen. Salvation, rededication, as well as just touches and, and however the Lord touched you. But just in keeping with kind of our theme uh, this month, really with evangelism, uh, I wanted to speak on... Uh, take a moment here and speak on seed time and harvest. Seed time and harvest. You know, we taught a couple weeks ago talking about how Jesus was always trying to get people to see things. He would use the natural to try to get people to see people as the harvest. He would use the wheat fields and he would tell his disciples, look at all the wheat, see it out there. The field is ready for harvest right now. And he was trying to get them to picture people. He would look at the oceans and, and describe just masses of people that he wanted to touch. And there's a scripture in, in Genesis. Uh, just so you know, I don't have any notes or anything up there. You can have my notes whenever I'm, I'm done if you want them. But 
after this whole week of five service in a row, we gave our team some time off of having to do different things, and uh, I needed a little extra time too, so, um, but uh, it was good, but if you want the notes, you can, we can make them available to you, but in Genesis 8.22, the scripture says this, and this is after the flood had happened, and uh, God was speaking with Noah, he said this, as long as the earth remains, there will be seed time and harvest. Say seed time and harvest. As long as the earth remains, there will be seed time and harvest. Never forget a story I heard from Joyce Myers talking about a gentleman that she knew um, that I guess impacted her life too, but it kind of just hit me with this scripture. She talked about a gentleman that was reading this scripture and he read over it and said, as long as the earth remains, there will be seed time and harvest. And the Lord said, stop, you're reading that wrong. And he's, he's like, okay. He read it again. As long as the earth remains, there will be seed time and harvest. He, he said, slow down, you're still reading it wrong. As long as the earth remains, there will be seed time and harvest. Stop. As long as there is, the earth remains, there will be seed time and harvest. There's seed, there's time, and there's harvest. See, it's not just put the seed in and it's, coming, it's gonna sprout up the next day. Things happen in the time, <laughs> in that time. As I began to look that up, because, you know, I mean, God gives revelation to share things, I looked up all the other translations that I found always said seed time, seed time, seed time. When I found the literal translation, it said seed time harvest seed time because you put the seed in the ground and it takes time for it to do its work until the harvest and God is harvesting people he is uh, planting seed in people he's got seed in us there's things that he's harvesting in us there's things we're at a level right now and I'll, I'll get kind of real with you for a minute I'll be, I, I shared a little bit, this is I think maybe on, on the first Wednesday, the last time, but I've been in a season myself where I really feel like, not, not physically, but I feel like I'm dying. That's, that's the only way I can describe how I feel. Uh, I'm going through a season right now where it seems, it seems like it's in the desert. It seems really dry, and I, I still hear God's voice here and there, not some things like I would want to. I'm just being real with you for a minute. Is that Okay. And I want to help you, too, because I know there's certain other people that are kind of walking through the same thing. And, and God is wanting us to go to the next level. And in order to go to the next level, there's got to be a greater consecration. That means, you know, there's, there's still seeds. You know, God has all these seeds that he's placed on the inside of us. And sometimes, you know, obviously God is working in our hearts. And, you know, when pressure comes on, we begin to see really kind of things that are in us. And we look at ourselves sometimes when the pressure comes on and we see things and we're like, ooh, I don't like that. And then we look at ourselves and go, ooh, I don't like me, right? No, God wants us to like ourselves in him, right? But we recognize things. And whenever things begin to come up because of pressure, because you feel like you're dying, so to say, right? You know, have you ever heard, uh, you know, when, when something is dying in the, in the physical, it makes noise, doesn't it? You know, we had a cat that got into a cat fight uh, when we moved here. It kind of just made itself our home when we were putting floors in it, just decided to walk right in our house, walking around, and, it's, and we ended up keeping it. His name was Romeo because he was always pressing up against you. He was just a, just a lover. 
And, uh, but he liked to fight, too. So he was a fighter and a lover. He loved to fight. And uh, he would go out and find these other tomcats. And one time he went out and he was gone for several weeks. And then we were looking for him. And we didn't know. We prayed. And, and then my neighbor said, hey, I think I found your cat. He's over here on my farm. You want to come over and look at him? And he had gotten into a fight. It was pretty bad. And he was dying. And uh, things, were, things were pretty bad. And he didn't make a happy sound. It was, it was nice that whenever he heard our voice that he responded to us. But when you're dying, you, man, it, it's not fun. But it's necessary for growth. We have to die to ourselves to become even more alive into God. You know, Paul said in the scriptures, um, if a seed remains, you know, in itself, by itself, that's all it is. But if you place it in the ground, that seed has to die. And it loses the form that it had. It becomes a different form. It transforms into something so much more beautiful that's able to benefit not just itself, but so many other people because the seed within the seed is more seed, right? But that seed has to go in the ground. And it's probably been a month or so just kind of walking through this. And, I'm, and the first thing you do, I'm just, I'm just saying this here now just to kind of help you out. You know, when you're, when you're going through something, the first thing you do is search yourself, right? I mean, you begin to search yourself. Why, why am I not feeling you like I, like I usually feel you, Lord? What's going on? You know, what, what's wrong with me? That's not how we do it. What's wrong with me? And it's okay to focus in as you're looking for things, you know. We're, we're, the Bible says we're to examine ourselves, but we can't stay there. See, I found myself there where I was just looking at myself and, and I was really casting myself down and just being like, you know, well, what's wrong with me? I mean, I'm just, then you get to that place where thoughts are like, oh, you're just a failure. And, and then the enemy's beginning to seep in, right? That's not where God wants us to be. It's okay to, God, is there anything in? But we don't have to try to dig things up that are already dead, Right? If there's something there, that's what the Holy Spirit is there for. He'll show you if there's something that needs to be addressed, and he'll address it with you, and then you take it back to him and say, okay, I see it, Lord. Let's deal with this together because I want to be right in your eyes. Amen? But I got to the place where I was beginning to really just concentrate on me, so to say, and all that I was walking through, and I, and I lost sight. I was like, oh, Lord, I'm messing up here. I need to look at you. And when I began to look back at him, he began to show me that process that it's just really walking through a refining fire because it's time for the next level. And if he's doing it in me, I know he's doing it in you. Amen. He's doing it in the earth because there's greater things for us to do. And that's the only way I could describe it that one morning when I began to uh, seek the Lord about it. Um, he took me to that scripture in Corinthians about the seed going in the ground and having to die in order to be able to come to life. So there's another level of life that God wants us to go to, but there's another level of death we have to achieve. Are you with me? Amen? So there's seed, there's time, there's harvest. There, it, it, we have to be planted. And, you know, the Bible talks about, um, uh, you know, the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. It's so small. You know, mustard seed is one of the smallest seeds that there is. But yet, in comparison, it becomes a tree. Now, not like a big oak tree. It's more like a garden plant, you know, seed. So it, it becomes larger than any other garden plant. It actually becomes a garden tree. So this small seed has such big potential if it will be planted in the right soil and allowed to die so that it can grow and live right? And the Bible, what's awesome about the Bible is it says that the soil produces 
uh, you know, fruit of itself. All, all, all we have to do is put the seed in the soil and the soil will do the work. The soil will do the work. Just God sends the rain, you got the sun, you got the soil, it's all there. The seed begins to germinate, it begins to sprout out. The Bible says here comes the blade first and then the stalk and then the head of grain, you know, and then the grain within the head, it's maturing and then it's time for harvest. Well, there's a process. That's all in the time. You can look at the, at the life of John the Baptist. We, we hear about him when he is born, and then we don't hear about him for 30 more years. We see the seed of John in the earth. We see him at his end. What happened in between? The time. What about Jesus? We see him born. We see him after he's a baby. We see him again at 12 years of age, and we don't hear about him again until he's 30. What's in the middle of those, of those places? It's time. We can't jump through the time of what God is doing. He's trying to mature his church. And there's going to be things that we're going to have to walk through and things that are going to be uncomfortable. But the comfortable place that's going to be there inside the uncomfortable things that we have to walk through is being in God's presence and being in obedience to him. When you're walking in obedience to God, you're walking in his presence, whether you feel it or not. When you're walking in obedience to him, regardless if it's uncomfortable, there is a pleasure that you cannot receive any other way than being obedient to God. Can I get an amen? amen. Someone shout me on. You know, Brother Chris was here. He's like, oh, you know, I'm in the South now. I need people to say amen and hallelujah, Right? Maybe we should all go south and see what, see what happens down there. Sometimes it can be a little too much. Like, amen, amen. Whoa, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Okay. Thank you, Jesus. Glory. Here, you want the mic? <laughs> praise the Lord. So there's a song that I, that I, I like. It's from uh, David Crowder. It's called I Am a Seed. Anybody ever hear that song before? I Am a Seed. Uh, it's talking about, I'm just going to read some of the lyrics for you here if I get into it. It's a little twangy song. It's kind of like a little hillbilly-ish kind of going on. And, uh, he says, I've been pushed down into the ground. Oh, how I've been trampled down. So many feet on top of me, I can't help but sink, sink, sink. And there's a, there's a perspective. You think, oh, what, a, what a lovely song. We're all trampled upon. That's great. And uh, there's a change in perspective. He says, I am a seed. I am a seed. I've been pushed down into the ground, but I'm going to rise up a tree. It's that perspective. Yeah, I'm a seed. Yeah, there's many feet. There's many things that try to trample me down. But guess what? I am a seed. You are a seed of God in the earth. God planted you in this generation to produce fruit for him. Can you say amen? amen. He wants you to produce fruit for him. Romans 12, 3 says this, God has given or assigned to each of us, it's every one of us, God has given or assigned to us a measure of faith. That measure, I could take that measure and put the word seed there and it would be the same thing. He's, he's given to each of us a measure or a seed of faith and not just any faith, he has given you a measure and the seed of faith. His faith in you. Every single person. You don't have to be a believer to have this measure of faith. Every single person that's born on the face of the earth, God has given this measure of faith to them so that they can believe in him. Isn't God good? 
When he created you, he already placed a part of himself inside of you that he could draw on to himself and draw you to him. It says it this way in Ecclesiastes, he's placed eternity in our hearts. You know, God is an eternal being. Everything that he does is eternal. That seed he had put inside of us is the eternal seed. Now we receive the seed of Christ, right? We receive by faith the word of God in us, but we can't even receive that word of, of faith in Christ without that seed of faith that God had placed inside of us to begin with. He draws upon that seed of faith on the inside so that we can rise up and say, I believe it seems foolish to my own mind, but my spirit is crying out. This is the truth of the gospel. Jesus died for my sins. He lived a perfect life. He came and lived in the flesh. God with us. He died on a tree for my sins and the sins of all the world. And he rose again the third day and is now seated in glory, ever making intercession for all of us. As we await his return, we've been given a measure of faith, that seed of faith. Now, there's really only three things you can do with a seed as I kind of look at things. Really only three things you can do with a seed. One, you can ingest it. You can eat it, right? I like eating. There's certain seeds. I like, you know, pumpkin, pumpkin seeds and different things like that, different kinds of seeds. So you can ingest it. You can invest it by planting it. If I ingest it, if I just take it and I eat it, it only benefits me just temporarily. If I invest it and I plant it in the ground, then it's not just a benefit to me, it's a benefit for others because I'm taking one seed and I'm planting it in the ground and it's bringing forth a harvest of more seeds. And I can choose to eat those seeds or take some of those seeds, you know, and plant them again to have a a greater harvest, whichever. The last thing you can do with it is to hide it. Really, you don't do anything with it. You just, you just have a seed. I have a seed. I don't plant it. I don't eat it. I just hold on to it. And when I'm holding on to it alone, I'm really hiding it because a seed was never meant to be held. A seed was meant to be planted. Can you say amen? So I'm kind of going into this. I know I talk about seed time and harvest and, uh, Nothing, I think, in Scripture really illustrates this the best, better than the parable of the talents. The parable of the talents. Now, before we get into this, I want to, I want to really define that word talent because uh, different translations will say money um, and, and so forth. And it's not just money. If you look that out, it doesn't just mean money. Even though he's using that as a principle, it means so much more than money. It really means that word uh, talent means a balance and by, by implication, a certain weight. There's, there's a weight. You know, the Bible talks about God's glory being weighty. There's a weight to his presence. God has given you a balance. He's giving you a weight of himself. Really, you know, even abilities, not just that seed of faith, but he's given you abilities. And that's another thing that that word talent means. It means a special ability and also a capacity for success. So when we see the word talent, we're not talking just money and financial things. We're talking about special abilities that God gives you, special talents that God gives you, a special capacity in order to be successful in this life. And not just to be successful so we can say we've been successful, but to make him successful. Because that's kingdom. To make myself 
successful in this world is not kingdom. I'm, uh, you know, I'm still to do that. I'm still using kingdom principles, but I'm really using them for myself. And what I'm doing is really ingesting that seed because it's only for me. It's not for others. But whenever I'm in investing those abilities and those gifts and those talents and the resources that God has given me to advance his kingdom, then I'm, in, I'm investing them and I bring forth a, 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 a produce or a harvest for his glory. The Bible says this in Romans 12, 6, since you have gifts that differ according to the grace, that's God's, God's grace, it's, it's the free gift that he brings, he gives it to you as well as grace means his divine enablement. Since you have gifts that d differ according to God's ability given to you, each one of us is to exercise them accordingly. Peter goes on to say this in 1 Peter 4.10. He says, use these gifts well to serve others. Use the gifts well to serve others. Now, I kind of said all that to get us into um, this, really, this parable that Jesus taught. And I'm going to read this to you. It's going to be uh, several scriptures here. So it says this, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by a story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted to them his money. That's what one translation says. I like another translation that says his property. Even better, I like what another translation says, his possessions. This man, he was a wealthy man. He was going to go on a long journey. He entrusted his own possessions into several of his servants and you know, we could borrow from another, another gospel uh, and it kind of go along with the same story because Jesus said, uh, occupy. You know, he, he was giving a, a parable saying, a man went, he says, occupy until I return. Really, you know, do business, occupy, take, trade, do things with what I'm giving you until I return. Don't just sit here and do nothing while I'm gone, right? So he called his servants together and he entrusted them to his, his property, his possessions while he was gone. To one, he gave five talents. He gave five abilities. He gave five gifts. To another, two. To another, one. To each, according to his ability. So God knows he created us in such a way, and he knows just because someone has one, you know, one ability right now doesn't mean uh, they're any less special than the one that has five. God creates us how he wants to create us, and he puts those giftings in us for certain things. The point is, no matter what we've got, and every single person has at least one, you have at least one ability, one gift that God has given you, and I would say probably more than that, but you at a minimum have one. And one is enough to invest. One is enough to plant, to produce more. And we see that in this story. So he says, to one he gave five, to another two, to another one, each according to his own ability. Then he went away. I love this. Immediately, the one who had received the five talents went and traded with them. Another translation says, he invested them. What did he do? He began to use what he was given. And he's not using it for himself because what he has belongs to somebody else. He's been entrusted. For this man to go away for a long journey 
And we're talking Bible time, so when you went away, it was a long journey. I mean, you didn't have cars, right? I mean, the average mile back in those days was a 20-mile journey was a day's journey. You go 20 miles and, you know, that's a day's journey. Well, they, they would be gone a long time. And he obviously, he saw these servants and he saw how they were working and, and just, you know, maybe their, maybe their attitudes, maybe just, you know, how they've been trustworthy with things. So he, he, he said, these are the three that I want to entrust my possessions with while I'm gone. And he wants them to do business. And I love that. Immediately, the one who received a five, he went and he traded. He invested them. Thinking about seed, he planted it, right? And he gained five more talents. In the same manner, the one who had received the two talents, he did the same as, as the one that had the five. He went immediately. He gained two more. Now, there's time involved in that, obviously. There's time involved. Uh, but the one who had received the one talent, he went away and dug a hole in the ground and he hid his master's talent. He hid his master's Ability. He hid his master's possessions in the ground. Now, there's a difference between putting a seed in the ground and hiding something in the ground. He was not planting it. He was hiding it. And in essence, he was doing nothing with it. These other two men, or whoever they were, men or women, they were just servants of this master, right, at that time. They took immediately what they had been given. Five talents, great. You know, he, he obviously, uh, he was given according to his ability, so his master gave him these talents. He knew that he could, he could do them. Maybe he saw some, some things that he was doing well already. He handed these over to him. He began to work those things out, and he got five more. You know what? Whenever you begin to use what God has given you, you increase. You increase. Not only do you increase in the knowledge of how to use what God has given you, but you increase your ability to be able to do things for God. Because sometimes, you know, when you begin to do something, if you start a project, you may know one thing about the project, but something comes up, you know, within a project that you have to learn something else all of a sudden. I didn't, well, I gotta, I gotta figure something out here how to do this. What did you do? By doing this, you learned how to do something else. And I'll give you an example for myself. This is kind of on a, on a natural aspect, still spiritual because God gave the gift. I always desired to sing. I mean, whenever I was young, singing all the time. Um, my mom helped me get a job at 12 years of age at a restaurant. You don't usually do that anymore, but they did back then because you could, right? Of course, you didn't make much back then. I only made $3.70 an hour. That was minimum wage at the time. And... Uh, and I was there, and then with the radio was on, I was singing. I didn't care. We were in the kitchen. I, I was loud enough that everybody could hear, but not loud enough that people in the dining room could hear me. You know, whatever song was on, you know, and it was 80s music, so whatever was on. I'm just singing. Nah, 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 I didn't care. I just love singing. So I got the nickname. They called me A.J. Jazzy Jeff Joby. Because <laughs> at that time, there was A.J. AJ, no, DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince. That was like Will Smith. He had, remember that, you know, parents just don't understand. Anyhow, maybe you're racking your nut. So he, instead of calling me DJ, he called me AJ, because, you know, my Jeff, name is Jeff, but my middle name was Alan. AJ Jazzy Jeff Joby. Joby was, this is, this is what my boss said. He told me this. I said, why do you call me Joby? He goes, because it's like Bon Jovi. You know, you're always singing. So Joby, AJ Jazzy Jeff Joby. So I was always singing. And I got to a place where I wanted to play guitar so bad. So obviously I'm singing. Um, then I wanted to learn how to play guitar. 
and I just began to, you know, I desired it. I believe God put that desire in me. And for the first year at least, I played a billy club in front of the mirror. Seriously, I, I mean, why would I waste time for a whole year playing a billy club, singing songs? But I did. There was actually a groove in the billy club where my fingers were, were, would hit like it was a pick. And I was like, this is ridiculous. Let me put this thing down. Let me go get a real guitar. And I did. And God helped me. And I, I learned really quick. And then being able to, because it was a little bit of an adjustment to learn how to be able to play the guitar and sing at the same time. And then I got that. As I began to work that, because it was all, see, all these things were God's design, at least for me in this area, to sing, to play. And then as I was being entrusted and I was doing those things, singing and playing, then he helped me with the ability to be able to write songs. Then I began to write songs. And then I really had an encounter with God. And I took all those things that he had given me that I worked, that I had would already investing, so to say, in the world, even though they were things that he had given me, and I turned them over to him instead of doing it for myself. I wanted to do it for him. Amen? And then he increased more things. But whenever you begin to use what God has given you, you will grow in responsibility, and you'll grow in those talents. So here it is. Um, well, let me just say this real quick. Um, anybody ever see the movie called Mully? It's like a documentary. It's a, it's a, it's a movie-like, but it's, it's, it's kind of like a movie, but it's, it's really a documentary on this man named Mully. M-U-L-L, I think it's M-U-L-L-Y. I don't know if it's E-Y, but just Mully. If you've never seen it, go see it. I think it's on like Amazon, whatever. Great. I mean, it's, it's this guy. He really grew up in a, a hut. I mean, really a hut. He was so dirt poor. His family was so dirt poor that when he was about, I think he was about seven or eight years old, they left him because they couldn't afford to keep all their kids. So they left him in the hut. He woke up one morning in, the, in this hut, just a grass hut in Africa. or Yeah, it was in Africa. It was in Kenya area. And, and the family was gone. They just abandoned him. And for like that, that time, up until he was in his teenage years, he really was just living on the streets and, and homeless until someone took him in. He was just begging, and someone took him in and, and allowed him to come in and began to clean their house, and they gave him shelter, and they gave him food. And he began to excel. And he worked on their farm, and he began to excel. And then, and then because he began to excel in his work ethics and things that he was, as he was, you know, planting and just being obedient... He began to be uh, so successful in this planting that his boss put him over every, all of his land and everything, all these crops. He began to become, he became in that time, is like, I think it was like in the 70s or 80s, he became a multimillionaire in, in uh, Kenya because he, went, he took this guy and he ended up leaving him. He went and bought like taxi services, which is real big over there. And a lot of people don't have cars. You go to third world countries, you got a bus, you pay and He ended up buying one. Then he ended up buying two. Then he ended up having a bunch of them. And then he ended up getting real estate. And then he ended up, because he was so wealthy, he became the main contact for all gasoline coming into that country. Wow, that's an, he's, he's not serving the Lord yet. And then he went, someone took him to church and he began to hear about the Lord and the uh, Lord began to work on his heart. And he decided after going to, um, uh, to someone's, or he was going somewhere downtown area and there were these kids that were just like him, just homeless and troubled. And they wanted money from him. They asked him for money. And they saw his nice car because it was a Rolls Royce, or not a Rolls Royce, it was a, um, uh, uh, what do you call them? Mercedes, thank you, sir. It was a Mercedes Benz, thank you, Paul. And uh, and they said, you know, you, I know you got money. Give us money. He's like, I don't have any money. 
And, and whenever he came back, his car was gone. And uh, he, he had to ride one of his own buses home. <laughs> and on that bus, he was just by, you know, just there. And he was thinking, you know, what's going on? And those boys just wouldn't leave his heart. And God began to work on his heart. All these things that he had already planted, all these things he's already done, he's already learned, he's already increased in. And God was saying, I want your heart. And I want you to, I want you to go rescue those boys. And he sold everything. He, he, got, he got back to his family and he said, I'm stopping the business. I'm selling everything. And we're going to start rescuing children. And he would go out in the middle of the night and start calling these kids in, these, these little orphan kids, you know, real small. And he would bring them in to where it would be like all of a sudden bringing 10 and 20. Then they'd have 100. Then they'd have 1,000. Thousands of kids. So big that they couldn't stay where they were anymore. They had to go out and buy land in this area that was just like a wasteland. There was nothing, just dirt, no trees, anything, just dirt. But he knew God had sent them there. And just with God, all, all the talents and all the things that God had already developed in him over the years when he wasn't even serving the Lord, you, you have to watch the show. It's worth watching. Even though I'm just giving you this, it's worth watching. He was able to actually change the climate over that area because of his knowledge of what God had given him of, of just planting and doing and investing all these things, he was actually able, because the clouds would never, there was no vegetation or anything for clouds to even form over that area. He was able to, to create it. It looked like a jungle by the end of the movie. And actually storm clouds, every other place around that area, it would miss them, but storm clouds would come over them. And he became so huge that they began to feed in just so many different shelters and homes of just, you know, helping kids and just being there, educating them. Some of these kids became lawyers and just loving on all, all of them, calling them dad. How do you like that? Just because he just loving on them. Just because he, he planted, right? And he took whatever he had learned, he gave it back. So here we are back in the story. And uh, it says, now after a long time, the master of those servants came and he settled accounts with them. This lets you know that what they have was not theirs. He started, remember, he started them with a balance. He started them with a weight. He had given them a portion of something that was his own to work with. And they increased what he owned by working it, right? So that's still his, but they increased what he did. So he settled accounts with them. Then one, the one who had received the five talents came up and brought five more talents saying, Master, you entrusted five talents to me. See, I have gained five more talents. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful. Now the translation says, reliable servant. You have been faithful over little. I will set you over much more. Enter into the joy of your master. One translation says, let's celebrate together. One translation says, let's enter into partnership. See, because I entrusted something that was mine to you, and you increased what was mine with what I had given you. So now we're at a place in our relationship where I gave this to you and I entrust it and this portion is mine, but you gain this much more. I'm going to give you something. I want to have a partnership with you because we are a benefit to one another. 
You know, it's a benefit to be in relationship with the Lord. It's just not us receiving all the time or just him receiving all the time. There's a benefit. There's a partnership together. And his master said, good to him, reliable. You've been faithful over, over little. Uh, I'll give you much more. Let's, let's, let's celebrate together. Also, the one who had received the two talents came up and said to him, master, you entrusted two talents to me. And see, I have gained two more talents. His master said to him, the exact same thing. Well done, good and faithful, reliable servant. You have been faithful over a little. And I will set you over much. Enter into the joy, the delight of your master. Let's celebrate together. Let's become partners. And the one also who had received the one talent came up and said, Master, I knew you to be a hard and harsh man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. And I was afraid. And I went away and I hid your talent in the ground. Look, here's your talent back. But his master answered and said to him, you wicked and lazy servant. If you knew that I reap where I did not sow and gather where I scatter no seed, then why ought you not to have put my money in the bank? Then on my arrival, I would receive what was mine with interest. See, going back to what we kind of laid the ground of already, he didn't plan it but he didn't eat it either. See, if, if, if he would have just taken it, because remember, when you eat the seed, it only benefits you. Me personally, whenever I plant something, I, I have for me and for others. If this gentleman would have at least used this seed for himself, he would have gained interest for his master. But he didn't do anything with it. He didn't ingest it. He didn't invest it. He just hid it. And the master said, you wicked and lazy servant. The other thing with this guy is this. Obviously, this master, he, he didn't know this master very well. I knew you to be this. Well, God is not unjust. He is, he is, he's a very just God. This master obviously was a very just master because he's saying, hey, you know, you, you, you gain benefit. What you did benefited me. Let's become partners now. You'll continue to benefit, and I'll continue to benefit in this relationship. And if this man was, was fearful about anything that he had received, the one that just received the one talent, he could have went to his master before he left and said, let me just ask you a couple questions here. But he, he took it. They immediately began to invest. He immediately went away, dug a hole, and hid it. That's why the master could come back and say, you were lazy. You didn't even come to me. He called it wickedness because you took what I had given you and you didn't do anything with it. You could have just, I mean, you could have used it yourself to, to make yourself more valuable, so to say. I remember when we were at um, a pastor's university, Pastor Larry talked about the importance of just being able to read, you know, and gaining knowledge, not just like knowledge of itself, but just, you know, the more knowledge you have, really in a sense, the more valuable you become to others because you, the more knowledge you have, you say, like, hey, I've heard about that, or I've seen about this, or it's kind of like what, what Bill says, it's who you know, you know. If you know somebody, well, then you may not know how to do it, but you know somebody knows how to do it. There's knowledge there. So the more we gain knowledge, even if, it, even if I'm just gaining it myself at that moment, I'm, I'm becoming more valuable for someone else because in that time of need, I could help them with that knowledge that I have that I've gained, right? But he hid this. The Bible goes on to say, um, 
Therefore, take away the talent from him and give it to the one who has the ten talents. One of the, one of the gospels adds to this and says, but master, he already has ten. <laughs> and Jesus answered with this scripture, to those who use well what they have been given, even more will be given them. And they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now throw this worthless, useless servant into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Well, I thank the Lord that I believe that there are no worthless and lazy servants in this room today. Amen. That we are those who are going to invest the things of God. You know, and as you invest, you can ingest because the more seeds you have, well, yeah, you, you need to be able to eat, you know, from, the, from that crop, but you always keep enough to be able to invest in other people. That's why Jesus says, freely you have received, freely give. Use the gifts that God has given you. You might be surprised. There's, there's, you know, the gifts that God has given you is not limited to, to just the, what happens in the church. Man, you, know, you got the gift of encouragement. People that can just, you ever been around somebody, just everything that comes out of their mouth, you just feel encouraged around them because they have the gift of encouragement. That's a good person to know. Especially if you get down in the dumps, you just call up whoever, whoever they are and you just say, man, can you just, you know, just, just say something, would you? And they say something, oh, I'm encouraged. Praise the Lord, because they got that gift of encouragement. We need each other. Now, I want to kind of tag tail off this, and we're going to close in just a minute. But, you know, God's doing things. I believe God's doing things in the earth. I believe God's doing things in our area. I believe God's doing things in Spirit Life Church. Can you say amen? And there's a lot more that God wants us to do. And uh, Pastor Natasha and I, I mean, you know, we're so grateful. People, you know, that are coming in and, and, and want to plug in. But there's still a lot of people out there that don't know, and they're not going to come in until we go out and get them. That's just, that's just a given. And if we look at the Great Commission, that kind of lines up, doesn't it? Because Jesus didn't say, stay and I'll send people to you. He told them to stay once. He says, stay in Jerusalem until you are empowered from, you know, on high, and then go out. From everything else is there, go out. So we already have what we need to be doing what God has called us to do, Correct. Everything that we need, even, even as a church, we already have within our church everything that we need to be able to do that God has called us to do. And I want to, I want to use this opportunity to really to even ask you guys, because, you know, we have, we have areas in our church where, where, where we're lacking in a sense. I, I believe it's here, but we're lacking people to be able to help out in certain areas. And, and these are important in order to be able to, as people are coming in, to do our best to help them experience God because every position is important. When this master said to the one with the five, he said, you are faithful with little. He gave him five. He said to the one with two, you were faithful with little. He gave him two. I believe if this other man would have been faithful with the one, he would have said, you've been faithful with little. Let me give you more, right? So regardless of what it is that we've been giving, it's about our faithfulness with what we've been given. And I'm not saying this, I'm not saying that, you know, by coming here and, and volunteering in the church, that this is going to be, you know, your main purpose in life. But I can guarantee you this, this will help you excel the gifts and the talents that are in you for your main calling in life. Can I say, can you say amen to that? You know, 
I, you know, when I first, I knew I was going to be in ministry. I never thought at first I'd be a, like a pastor. I knew I'd be in ministry. But when, in our church, when I, I, I just got so touched by God that uh, transformed by the power of God. When I went to our church in that very first service that I was there, we were in a storefront really small. I mean, really small storefront. You walked in, you're, you know, you're in the second row. Whoa, hey, you know. And uh, I just remember being there and God speaking to me right then and there. As soon as I walked in and just feeling his presence, he said, this is home. And that very first service, I remember going to the praise and worship leaders and saying, listen, I play guitar and if there's anything I can do, let me know. That was just me. I'm not saying for anybody, I'll just, whatever. I'm just saying that was me. I just always wanted to get involved. And then from there, we did, me and my wife did everything in the church except for senior pastor. We changed diapers. We was in a nursery. We did kids' church. We did youth. We did some ushering. You know, we were on the prayer team. We did outreach. Uh, we did counseling, whatever. We were associate pastors. We, whatever they did, we just did it because I wanted to serve God. And, and all those things, I didn't even know it at the time. And I'm not saying you got to do all the things that I did. And I'm not saying you'd be more. We have a like, kind of a thing that we do. We, we like to have people. We didn't have it there where, you know, uh, twice a month, like people to be off just to be in the service two months and then two, two weeks that you're able to work, you know, or even if it's just one, it just people get gathering in. But all those things helped out that I didn't know in the moment to do what I'm doing now. And each one, you know, my pastor said, hey, I want you to do a Bible study. Do a Bible study. All right, whatever you want, Pastor, that's great. I'll do it. If you believe me, I'm going to do it. Did a Bible study for a couple years. Then it came into doing a Bible study to being able to teach. He trusted me to teach on a Sunday morning while he was gone and traveling. That was a big honor to think like, wow, my pastor's let me teach on a Sunday morning. That's, wow. And then uh, to be called, whatever, just, it's just by using what God has given you. And I want to give you the opportunity for those who have been part of our um, part of our next step classes. These are the classes that we do that um, help to let you know, you know, things that we have available in our church. They also let you know more about who we are, get you connected. They also help you to find out. We got some things that we do in there like personality tests as well as spiritual gift testings to help you find out um, maybe what is that, you know, your personality type and some of the spiritual gifts that God may have placed in you and then being able to give opportunity to be able to use those gifts and talents to grow them so God can do with you whatever he wants to do with you to bring glory to his name. Can you say amen? amen. So I want to I make that available to you. You guys can go to um, spirit-life.org. We can talk. I'll be in the back too at after service if you want to uh, you know, talk about that. Um, you can join that uh, uh, Next Step classes. We have them online right now. If we get enough people that want to join them, we'll go ahead and do an in-person because we're a place where we're in-person stuff now. We'll do in-person classes. Uh, they, have, they happen to have uh, two classes, like on one day and two classes on another day. So two Sundays, you have all four classes done. Um, and the whole purpose of this is to win the lost and to be able to disciple people as they come in. That's what this whole thing is set up. We spent years getting things together. And then now we just need people to help function kind of what's been put together. We're going from what we like to say from being a canoe ministry to a ship ministry. And, you know, you can turn a canoe around just by, by stroking the oar backwards, Right. But in order to turn a ship, you got to call down, boom, this department, that department, that department, and it takes more. And we want it to get bigger, right? Because we want people to come in and see who God is and experience him and know who they are. But we want to stay smaller at the same time, and that's why we have our B groups, so that we can stay smaller in those home groups and, and minister to one another. Amen. Why don't you stand up in Jesus' name? Hallelujah. <clears throat> Father, we bless you.
We thank you. We honor you today. We give you glory. You know, maybe you're here today or you're online visiting with us and maybe you're kind of like this servant that received the one talent in the fact that you say, I really don't know him very well. I don't know the Father very well. I don't, I don't know God that well. And uh, maybe there's been some, some things that you thought about him that even today are just visiting with us knowing that, man, God is such a kind and tender and loving Father. He loves us. He's so compassionate and gracious and merciful. And you would say today that I don't know him, but I do want to know him. You say, I, I want to receive Jesus as my Lord, or I want to come back to him, or I want to receive him for the very first time. If that's you, even if you're watching online, just as a declaration of your faith, you can even post something and say, that's me. Would you raise your hand and say, that's me. I want you to pray for me. Say, I want to dedicate my life to the Lord. I want to come back to the Lord. Whether it's the first time, whether you're just coming back, I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to, I want to enter into partnership with Him. I want Him to be my Lord and my God. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Let's do this. Let's just pray this together. Just prayer, just from your own heart. I'm going to pray this out. You can repeat after me. It's really just connecting your heart uh, with these words that are from Scripture. The Bible says if we believe in our heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and confess with our mouths that He is Lord, that we shall be saved. Can you say amen? And that's what we want to do. So if that's you, maybe you didn't raise your hand, maybe you're online right now, would you repeat this after me? Just speak it out loud. Just say, Father God, I come to you and I repent. I repent of my sins. I repent of going my own way. I ask you to cleanse me and make me new. I believe in the sacrifice that Jesus made for my sins, that he died on the cross to take away all my guilt, shame, and sin, to give me new life through his resurrection. I believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead, and I confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. Be my Lord and be my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Listen, if, specifically if you're online and you prayed that prayer at the top of uh, this page, it's going to say welcome and response card. If you would fill that out, if you're in, if you're in the house and you prayed that we have on one of the seats in, in, in front of you there, it'll say, I made a decision. Or if it's your first time, um, we have also welcome to Spirit Life Church. You can fill that out and give it into our Connect Center. We'd love to get you a gift for just being with us today. We're going to dismiss, but if you need prayer for anything, we want to invite you to come forward. If I could have some of the prayer team come up and help. Um, we love you guys. Uh, don't forget, there's invites in the back. Our, our, our greeters will be back there to help hand those out. Take several with you. Invite somebody to come to our Good Friday service, our Easter service, so they can experience Jesus. Amen. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. Lord, smile upon you and be gracious to you. Lord, show you his favor and give you his peace. In Jesus' name, amen. If you need prayer, you can come forward.